Hello and welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. I'm Laurel Thompson and today we're going to be discussing complete vibrato mastery. And no, as far as this podcast is concerned, we're not going to be completely mastering vibrato by the end of it. However, I'm excited to announce that my new course, I've been talking about a little bit here and there over the last few months, is now available. It's titled Complete Vibrato Mastery, and it's available over at completevibratomastery.com. In today's podcast, I guess we could say we're going to be discussing some of the Vibrato 101 topics and, um, you know, sort of demystifying Vibrato a little bit and giving you some clues whether Vibrato might be something that you're ready to add into your practice and your playing. And um, if you already play Vibrato, then Complete Vibrato Mastery could still be a good tool for you to develop a more consistent vibrato, a more variable vibrato, give you some different ideas for how to apply vibrato to different musical situations and historical time periods. And I'm also really pleased with some of the PDFs that I've created for this course uh, including a really detailed six-month weekly practice program, which will have you knowing exactly what to practice every single week for six months in order to go from no vibrato to a completely expressive, consistent, beautiful vibrato in six months. And, um, you know, some people might take a little bit less time. Some people might take a little bit more time, but assuming you have all the prerequisites, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, then I think, you know, anyone can pretty much get there in six months. And I've seen it happen over and over again in my private lesson studio. So I am completely confident that, you know, people out there can do it on their own and maybe, you know, get a little bit of help here and there from a teacher, or I'm always available via Skype for, or, um, for a little, a little lesson and, and just to check your technique and everything. But, um, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited to be sharing this and in thinking about what exactly I wanted to share next, as far as an online course, I was just, um, kind of looking out there at the different vibrato videos on YouTube and, um, different sort of sites and courses that are already out there and, and realizing that there's, there's really not a lot. And what there is out there, I kept kind of seeing some good information and some not so good information <laughs> sometimes. And, um, you know, kind of across the board for the most part, seeing teachers sharing kind of the nuts and bolts of vibrato, but not in a way that could be progressive and not in a way that would necessarily get someone to the point where they can figure out the right type of vibrato for each situation. Cause I really feel that, you know, just cause you have a vibrato, you know, big, big term vibrato doesn't mean that, um, that particular vibrato would be desirable in every sort of musical situation. And I thought, well, how great would that be if I could organize everything that I've learned and everything that students have helped me to discover through troubleshooting their issues for about 20 years at this point. Um, <laughs> and I could distill that all down into a video course that could be comprehensive and methodical and produce, you know, in a, in a certain time period, a consistent and beautiful and variable vibrato then that might make a real difference out there. And I think it certainly would have for me. I have um, 
my own interesting vibrato story to share, which I'll do in a minute, but, um, I'm hoping that that will be the case. And I'd like to invite any podcast listener out there to become an enrolled student on the course. And it's a lifetime enrollment. So you don't have to keep paying every month. I hate that kind of stuff personally. <laughs> um, but it's just like a one-time thing and then you'll get access to all the videos and the PDFs and all of that stuff. And you'll be able to, you know, get in touch with me if you have any more questions and I'll be adding things from time to time to make the course even better as, you know, I learn more and it's, it's sort of, you know, a growing thing, right? But I hope you check it out. And for podcast listeners, I'm offering a $20 off coupon, coupon code, which is Violin Geek Podcast 2015. And while not time sensitive, that coupon code will be limited to a certain number of podcast listeners, which is a fair number, actually. I'm not going to tell you exactly how many. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're listening to this podcast way off in the future, which hopefully some people still are, and that coupon code is no longer valid, then you can go just, you know, go over to completevibratomastery.com and there may be other specials I'm offering. However, in any case, you know, I've tried to price it very um, competitively and I was doing the math and, you know, assuming it's kind of a six month program it's going to cost you about 33 cents a day us, um, to take the course, which again, is just a, it's, it's a lifetime enrollment. So you can take as long as you want, but, um, 33 cents a day for six months, you would not be able to get any sort of violin lessons with that, um, kind of, kind of, um, budget. So <laughs> anyway, we're going to get into some vibrato one on one Oh one here. And, uh, I hope you enjoy. So I guess I'll start with my personal vibrato story as promised. And I don't really know if my story is, is any different than the average person out there who's learning or learned vibrato, but it is my story and may help other people feel like their stories are more valid and that there's, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel <laughs> or something. So, um, I started learning vibrato when I was about close to a year, I would say into playing violin and, you know, I was kind of a precocious young student. And I remember my, my first teacher didn't really have any specific vibrato techniques, none that I could really recall anyway, but she was very encouraging. And I'd been seeing her doing vibrato in the lessons and I'd been hearing vibrato on some of the tapes and CDs that I was listening to. And there was no YouTube, so I couldn't go on YouTube and see other people teaching vibrato or playing vibrato. But um, yeah, I was really interested in what this sound was. And, you know, I could tell the difference between a piece that had no vibrato with a piece that really had this beautiful, expressive vibrato. And I, I just really wanted to be able to do that. So I started just trying to make my fingers, you know, do the same thing as my teacher. And I think overall, you know, I was just really trying to recreate the kind of sound that I was hearing on those recordings. Um, I particularly liked the Mendelssohn concerto. I listened to that a lot and, um, I was doing Suzuki book stuff. So I was listening to that and, um, CDs were pretty new at that point. It was sort of like the early nineties and my, um, I remember my, my, one of my aunts, she gave me 
a whole stack of, of kind of classical CDs and a lot of or- orchestra music. And those were kind of my first CDs. And I was really excited about that because I had all these tapes and the CDs, you know, I could kind of fast forward, you know, click through the different tracks. And I thought that, well, that was pretty cool. No, no more of this fast forwarding and all of this business. Um, <laughs> none of this was that long ago, which is really crazy. Um, so I was listening to all that kind of stuff and yeah, just trying to recreate that sound. And I did develop a vibrato pretty quickly. However, you know, fast forward, maybe 10 years after that point in my, in my development as a player, um, I had switched teachers and the new teacher just wasn't very pleased with the vibrato that, that I had. And at first that was really disheartening. And I mean, overall, you know, going to that teacher, she, she taught me so much and and I learned so much. Um, I would say I was always a little bit afraid to go to lessons, um, in some way, cause it kind of felt like going to an audition, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I mean, my technique just, you know, w- was soaring through, through that time period and, um, you know, just gaining so much insight and stuff. So it was all very valuable, but, um, but yeah, she wasn't very happy with the vibrato and she said, you know, we have to start from square one with this and thought, Oh my God, you know, I have like 10 years plus that I'm going to have to, you know, revisit now (laughs) with this vibrato. And thankfully she had a very progressive, very methodical technique that she started to teach me. And, um, a lot of that went into this complete vibrato mastery course. Um, and I was amazed that within three weeks, and she was completely amazed too. Like at first she's like, Oh my goodness, this is going to be such hard work. I can't believe you're so behind, you know, all of this stuff. And, um, and then within three weeks, it was like, I couldn't do the old vibrato anymore. And I had this new vibrato that was just emerging and really was a lot better. I kind of had like a really fast arm vibrato before going into that new situation. And then coming out of, coming out of, um, the, the training with a new teacher, I had kind of this, um, you know, nice wrist vibrato that was variable that, you know, was a little bit on the slower side. It took me a little bit longer to kind of get it up to speed, so to speak, but, um, I could totally apply it after a month to my, my pieces. And, um, you know, it's just sort of been continuing, I guess, you know, on into adulthood now with, um, just, you know, constantly developing. And, um, I think a lot of it's the artful interpretation of vibrato and, um, you know, that's something that comes with time and experience, but, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely something that could have been, I guess, a turning point in a bad way. Um, but it was, it was really a turning point in a very, in a very positive way in the end. And I'm, I'm really thankful that, you know, um, for one that, you know, I, I kind of developed that vibrato on my own or, um, with my first teacher, you know, um, you know, just to kind of, um, have that excitement and kind of that childhood, like, yay, I'm doing this, um, moment. And then later on to really, uh, refine it a bit more and, um, have that ability to be a lot more variable and consistent and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, it did def- definitely take me a little bit longer than that that four week, three week, four week chunk of time right in the beginning. I mean, I remember maybe a year later or something, I was getting into college and the teacher there, the professor, um, actually it wasn't my professor. It was, um, kind of the first jury that I did. And I remember the cello professor, cause it was sort of the whole 
was playing for the whole music department uh, for the jury. And remember the cello teacher kind of piping up and saying that, you know, if we kind of look at all my different techniques and stuff, um, vibrato seems a little bit latent in its development. And um, she was a little bit of a scary teacher, too. (laughs) Come to think of it. But, um, you know, I was kind of thinking in the back of my head, well, yeah, that's the, in some sense, the newest technique that's kind of on the block here. (laughs) All the other ones weren't kind of overhauled very recently. So, um, it's all good, but, um, I'm sure that many of you have vibrato stories that are, that are similar and, um, you know, it's something that, that, uh, is completely achievable by anyone. I'm, I completely have faith in that. I will stand behind that statement. (laughs) So the first real question for this Vibrato 101 conversation is, what is vibrato? So basically, vibrato is a slight waver of pitch that produces kind of a warming and a coloring of the tone. And if you want to get really technical, vibrato on a violin or viola or cello um, or bass, I suppose, goes from a target pitch down to a slightly lower version of that pitch. So sometimes people say, oh, you find the pitch and then you wiggle your finger back and forth up and down from that pitch. And that's definitely not what we want to do because that will produce a vibrato that sounds too high. It'll be, it'll sound sharp because our ear is always going to hear the highest pitch the most. It's going to kind of, um, gravitate towards that highest pitch. So we need to always make sure that the highest pitch we're fluctuating up to is the target pitch. So if we're playing a D note, then the the top note is always going to be that D note and the vibrato might waver down to a slightly flat D. Probably it wouldn't go as far as a C sharp, but, um, you know, in certain situations, I suppose it could probably not though. Um, I always like to just, you know, throw those things out there like, well, you never know. There might be one situation where that would work, but no, um, that would overall be way, 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 way too far. And, um, it's really just kind of a a very minute rocking. And what you're doing when you're on a violin or viola or cello is you're lengthening the string as you rock back from your target pitch, and then you're kind of covering that string back up and shortening that string essentially as you move back to the target pitch. So that's how obviously the pitch change is happening. So you are, um, you know, wiggling on the string, but you're not sliding your finger on the string. Actually in the course, I do teach what I call wailing vibrato, which is not really vibrato, but it's sort of related. And it's uh, more like kind of a, a rock sound effect, bluesy technique, and um, that would be sliding around. But true classical vibrato, you're going to keep your finger in the same spot and you're going to be wiggling your finger down and back up to the target pitch. And since I've been talking so much about variable vibrato, um, people might be thinking like, well... To me, it's just it's just all the same wiggling thing, and I hear the same little wavering thing. Really, it is very different if you listen carefully. So I just wanted to kind of give you some ideas of all the variations there might be in vibrato. So I'm going to take a D note, and I'm going to do some different vibrato styles and widths and speeds and all of that. So vibrato could sound like this.
Could sound like this. Could sound like this. Could sound like this. And so many more, depending on the piece and the time period and the style and all these things. Different players use different parts of their anatomy to do vibrato. I mean, it's all kind of in the fingertips, so to speak, but as far as the initiating motion of the vibrato movement, some players use more of a wrist and hand motion. Other players use more of an elbow and forearm motion, and still others might combine the two just a little bit or use you know, one or the other for certain situations. There are some you know, pros and cons to each, but you know, a lot of it, I think it's just a person's anatomy and personal preference. And we can find really great examples of arm vibrato people and wrist vibrato people and combination people. If you go to YouTube and you check out Joshua Bell, he's a great example of someone who's doing more of an arm vibrato versus Anne-Sophie Mutter who's doing more of a wrist and Sarah Chang is doing a little bit more of a combination. So you can check out those people as well as many more. And in one of the accompanying PDFs of the vibrato course, I have a list of um, several different players for each of those categories. And um, it's nice to kind of look and see both um, what they're doing and then also to hear some of the subtle differences between each type of vibrato. But um, that's pretty much the anatomy of vibrato in a nutshell. Though maybe I should mention that there is one other type of vibrato that isn't so used in modern times, at least not as like your go-to vibrato technique, but it's called finger vibrato. And it was maybe more popular in Baroque times is my guess. And uh, could be kind of an adjunct technique to a good arm vibrato or a good wrist vibrato. I would say as far as arm and wrist vibrato are concerned, maybe about 50% of people prefer one over the other and can do one better over the other. But um, yeah, it's just so individual. And when I get students coming to me wanting to learn vibrato, pretty quickly we try and rule out one of them and really focus on developing one. And then for a lot of them, I feel like it's it's great to have both. And so then we start to learn learn the other one. But you know, I think sometimes people just have sort of a certain affinity towards one one and um, maybe choose it more times over the other, even when they have a good vibrato developed for both parts of the anatomy. As far as prerequisites for learning vibrato, you know, when these students are coming to me and they're really um, like me listening to different recordings and seeing videos and people performing and noticing that these people have a really different sound than they do, you know, without vibrato. Um, they say, gosh, I really want to learn vibrato as soon as possible. And sometimes it's time. And when it's time, it means that people have a really good sense of intonation. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, they, they know when they're out of tune. It's not necessarily that they're always in tune, although I wouldn't encourage someone to learn vibrato if they're often out of tune, but, um, you know, if they're, they're, they're generally in tune and they definitely know when they're out of tune and can fix it, then I think they're a great candidate for vibrato. I also like people to have a pretty good sense of timing in their left hand and rhythm in their bowing arm. So those two things work together, obviously, but I feel like when we start adding vibrato, 
there's um, a lot of hesitation that can kind of build into the music inadvertently. And we don't want to kind of have a really iffy sense of rhythm to start with because it's just going to get messier and messier. And, um, as far as the intonation thing, I guess I should back up for a minute and say that, um, yeah, you know, some people have said, Oh, well, I thought that vibrato would help me play better in tune. And, um, that is not what vibrato should be used for. It, um, really is an expressive tool that is there to make, you know, more beautiful sound, a more colorful sound to add, um, interest to different phrases and highlight different notes and all that kind of stuff. But it's really not something that should be used to try and make you sound better in tune because, you know, as I talked about with, you know, what is a vibrato, um, it's pretty much going from a target pitch down to a lower pitch. So if that target pitch is not really there, is kind of iffy, then, um, you know, chances are it might just make you sound even more out of tune. So so really intonation, having a good sense of timing slash rhythm, and then, you know, really good, good ability to kind of listen and be able to reflect and kind of make choices about your playing is always good. So sometimes I don't, I don't really know what it is, but some people, they come with a really good sense of being able to honestly hear what they're sounding like. And then others, it kind of takes um, watching themselves playing on video and having someone show them like, no, no, see this note right here is really, it's actually really out of tune. So I don't know what that is. I think, you know, some people just maybe have had more experience listening to really great performances versus others or something. I'm not sure, but um, definitely having a really good sense of that so that you can troubleshoot things and fix things along the way is definitely a good prerequisite to learning vibrato. Cause I mean, really it's just complicating things in a good way ultimately, but it is complicating things. And if the basics aren't sort of in place and you don't have a really strong foundation, then just adding this new technique, if anything will probably just be frustrating. And, uh, I have had some students where even if all of the prerequisites seem to check out, we may be go at it for a month or so, and then they're just kind of frustrated. And um, we stop trying to do any vibrato for maybe another couple months, and then we kind of circle back around. And stuff like that has definitely happened uh, in my teaching studio. And, you know, some people, it just takes them longer to be ready. You know, oftentimes with those situations, looking back, I think it was because someone, they didn't really want to have the kind of progressive learning situation, they really wanted to just be able to do it, you know, and unfortunately vibrato is not something that most people would be able to just do like in a, in the first day. Um, it really does take some time to develop it to the point where it sounds like something that is sort of, um, growing out of the music and is accentuating everything you're doing. And I would say pretty much for everyone, there's just going to be that kind of time frame of, you know, growing pains. It's like, you know, growing out a bad haircut each day gets a little bit better, but it's still kind of not, not looking so great and not sounding so great in this case. But, um, but over time, you know, if you can kind of focus on the little changes and sort of the emerging sound, then I think, you know, everyone can be really, really excited about the process of developing the vibrato. So finally, I want to talk a little bit about vibrato applications and the history of vibrato. Unfortunately, we don't have 
YouTube videos of people playing back in the 1600s. Um, however, we do have some different sources of people who have, you know, sort of studied um, different texts and stuff like that and tried to figure out exactly what they were doing back in Baroque times or who knows, possibly even earlier. Um, we do know for sure that um, vibrato is something that can be completely inherent to vocalists. So meaning that, you know, it's something that, that vocalists could just sort of naturally have. And, um, you know, the guess is that the string string players probably tried to develop that themselves on their instruments. And probably in the beginning, it was not something that was continuous, like it often is today. It wasn't like a continuous technique that just ran through every single note of uh, the Baroque pieces. It was probably something that was used more like an ornament that was more intentional, that was possibly used a little bit more by soloists than people in the orchestra. And um, it was definitely you know, on the narrower side, perhaps, or the subtler side, perhaps. And um, it was probably something that was not trying to be really um, kind of obtrusive to the music. It was something that, you know, was maybe just kind of meant to warm up the the sound. There was, um, you know, some suggestion that people might have used somewhat of a continuous vibrato, but it was like really, really subtle all the way through pieces. Um, again, we don't really know, but, you know, sort of the takeaway and how I've come to think about Baroque period vibrato is just that, yeah, it's going to be something that's more of a choice ornament than something that's going to be continuous. And I think that that sounds really nice with most Baroque music. And I think if we did a modern, big, passionate vibrato, on a lot of Baroque music, it would just kind of sound um, a little over the top. And um, I'm, I'm always kind of of the school that less is more personally. And I know that, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there that don't agree with me. And that's completely fine because, you know, I think um, music as an art form needs that variety in order to, to grow and have, um, you know, a kind of all of us represented out there, right? So then basically we move into the classical time period with, um, you know, composers such as maybe Mozart and... His father, actually, Leopold Mozart, um, he had a book that, um, I'm forgetting the name at this particular moment, but it uh, probably wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway. I think it was a German name. <laughs> but um, he talked about having sort of like a subtle, continuous vibrato be um, desirable. And, you know, I think probably at, at that point in, um, in history, you know, we're moving sort of from more of a music that's based on kind of dance forms and, you know, maybe has a purpose kind of outside of just enjoyment, you know, maybe for dances or for certain events, um, in the church or in the castle or wherever, um, into, yeah, some more situations where music was just kind of to be listened to. And I imagine that with that, some of these artists were, were wanting to express themselves a little bit more because it was a little bit more like they were in the spotlight. The music was lending itself to that point where, you know, now it's like the music, the musicians are front and center. So I think possibly the vibrato was becoming a little bit more 
um, in the forefront, so to speak. Then moving into the Romantic period, of course, vibrato is kind of developing even more. And it's really not until fairly recently that we start seeing a lot of evidence of vibrato being used fairly continuously. Let's say even as recently as the early 1900s, we're seeing vibrato that's, you know, just a little bit more, um, you know, a choice kind of ornament or, you know, just at least more subtle. And I was reading this article talking about vibrato kind of through history, and they mention the Brown and Sadie's performance practice book. Um, and in there, a quote that I wanted to just read, the trend in later years and continuing into the late 20th century was towards greater evenness and regularity of expression, evenness of rhythmic emphasis and of tempo, regularity of vibrato, avoidance of disruptive portamento, and a style of rubato based on gradual flexibility rather than rhythmic distortion. So really talking into maybe the late 1800s could be when you know people are starting to... I guess, take all of their different techniques and really try and kind of smooth them out, make them all consistent. And I think in some ways that's a good thing, but maybe in other ways it, um, especially in, con in considering vibrato can make things just to sound, just sound a little bit too homogenized. You know, um, I do like when vibrato is something that, um, like I said earlier, can kind of grow out of the phrases can kind of grow out of the music and isn't like something that we're hearing and we hear vibrato first and foremost, like vibrato's in the spotlight all the time. Oh, there's the vibrato. Oh, they're playing vibrato, you know? And I guess that's why I really wanted to create this course because a lot of times these vibratos that people are learning, it just kind of feels like it's just sort of this technique to lay upon all of the music rather than really sort of honing in on all the subtleties and internalizing that technique so that it can become something that's really about expression and the moments when it really lends itself to that expression and maybe moments when it would detract from that expression and we shouldn't have vibrato on those certain notes. So I really hope all of this has been insightful and helpful, and I'd really like you to check out completevibratomastery.com and let me know what you think. I've been getting some good early reviews here, and I'm really excited that already people seem to be responding really positively to the course and seem to already be improving their vibrato within a week here. <laughs> so that's exactly what I was hoping for. And I do hope that um, you can get in there and use the coupon code violin geek podcast 2015 to get the $20 off and please stay in touch with me and let me know how it's going. My email address is laurel at laurelthompson.com. And that's also my main website, laurelthompson.com. That's spelled L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N. And on there, you can also learn more about other courses that I have. I have a Boeing course, um, beginning through advanced as well as sort of a mixture course called, um, improve your violin and viola technique. And that covers some shifting stuff and, um, various other topics. And then of course, um, CDs and, um, my tour, my tour schedule, um, 
coming into 2016 here, I'm going to be in the Southwest in late January into February, and I'm going to be in Florida and the South in um, kind of the latter part of March and into April, and then I'll be in the West, including um, California, Oregon, Washington, and up into Canada in May and June and July, and I have some uh, some festivals I'll be playing, some uh, early festival bookings are coming in now, so I'm really excited about that, and then let's see, later in the, in the fall I'll be in eastern Canada and um, the east coast in New England. So I'll pretty much be covering all of it in 2016, which is really awesome. And I'm just so grateful that, that people want to, um, want me to come play, (laughs) hoping to do some workshops along the way. Um, if you're in any of these areas and you'd like a workshop with, um, you know, your friends, your family, your school, um, whatever is in your area, then I'm, I'm happy to consider that. And uh, I have a whole host of topics that uh, I like to teach. So um, actually, you could check out my duo site, dananlaurel.ca. And on there, there's a teaching page that um, that shows all of the different topics that we do together or that we do separately. So there's also the possibility of um, some guitar and songwriting courses as well. But um, in any case, I hope you have really happy holidays. I think we'll have maybe one more podcast episode before we wrap up 2015. Um, A really awesome interview with uh, Tanya Elizabeth from the Ducks and the Avid Brothers. So um, I recorded that when I was on the East Coast um, a couple weeks ago and am getting ready to edit that and, and put that one up there. So you can have that one by Christmas. Um, hopefully if you're uh, doing any traveling, you can have something to write along with you in the car or on the plane. And I guess until next time, happy practicing.